and welcome back to part two of whiteness, oh. but also colorful. Yes, the this yes, colorful colors. Could also, we we haven't titled this yet, but welcome back. Jonathan's making faces at me like I can't so use the name that we had. About so now I'm colorism. questioning myself. Why are don't don't? We hope you like part two. You will over the world mm-hmm. with people, groups of color, and how different the international community tends to respond. Yeah, well said. And I have a follow up question, but just as a addition to that 30 years ago there was a whole conflict in bosnia and what was going on there and there was very little attention and right. most bosnians are muslim right and so Mo- and so bosnians so white are presenting. white presenting generally pretty fair skinned people white presenting but they're muslim i mean this happened like yeah 30 years ago yeah. or 1990s yeah. 1994 Which was 30 or 5 years ago. right gosh that was 30 years ago <laughs> um and so I, I follow um, a gentleman on Instagram who's Muslim and he's an activist and he was saying that some of his Bosnian friends are feeling very triggered by what's happening, watching what's happening in Ukraine and the response that the Ukrainian people are getting when they themselves were, you know, they felt they were totally forgotten in this war that lasted years yeah. in their country. Um, and so you and I, Renee, we were talking about before we started recording, we were fleshing out some ideas. I was like, what is the hierarchy? I mean, how does the hierarchy of superiority slash power present itself? What is at the top of the tier? And we were going back and forth, but I do think whiteness is at the top. You think whiteness is at the top? Over maleness? <sighs> I do. Yeah, I think because they I will, are I'll so Because I'll say close. white woman tears still trump like a black man. Uh, okay. Something. Okay. I got you. So that's whiteness, right? There, I got you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's still whiteness is the very top of the the pyramid, and then you're talking about in total, like internationally, or just just in America. Let's just say America right in, now. In America, that's easier to break whiteness. Down. Yeah. Internationally, this, I think it's a little bit more. It, it, I think it's way more nuanced when we talk yeah. internationally, or we're talking different cultures. But let's just say for America, for the purposes Definitely of this whiteness. conversation, whiteness is top. Then maleness. And I, if we go into evangelical circles, I would have a hard time saying which one's at the top of the top. I would think maleness is at the top of the top in in evangelical circles. Over whiteness? Yeah. Hmm. I could see that in the church, depending. I, I get And I then get they weaponize the Bible to right, I can see that. uphold misogyny. Yeah. Or promote yeah. misogyny. Because then I would just tack Christianity as number three, just in America, not just in evangelical circles, just like people claiming Christianity. Because that's still in America, even if you're not in the, you know, an actual like Jesus following community, you can just slap Christian on something yeah. and it gets you way, it gets you a lot for, yeah. I mean. That's another privilege. Let's now relive Trump literally marching out s- soldiers in the street in front of a church and putting his hand on a Bible. It was upside down too. The entire thing, it, that was grotesque. When we talk about grotesque, that, that was well. grotesque. But he knew to play the Christian card because it still holds a significant, even if you're not in the evangelical circle. Yeah. Right? And this is a complete aside, and I'm telling you right now that it's an aside, but I thank the Lord Jesus Donald Trump is not our current president. Gosh, can you even imagine? I thank him for a lot of reasons that he's not our current president. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the number one reason that right now uh-huh. 
uh-huh. is because Trump uh-huh. yep. admires, uh-huh. promotes, uh-huh. Uh, and is satisfied uh-huh. yep. by With what Putin, Putin is yep. doing. It's so vile, and and I want to say I'm surprised. Of course, I'm not surprised. And I was reading down a list of things that he's actually said in regards to literally Russia, um, you know, declaring war on Ukraine. And he is just it's like it's beautiful. It's I might as well. He's just might as well stand up and start clapping. Well, and don't forget what happened the first time he was um, impeached. It was because he had that whole yeah. uh, like shady trying to deal. He was going to withhold money uh-huh. from what country? Yep. Ukraine. From Ukraine. In order, and so Can what you even I imagine read, if he was president right now, oh, God, what a horror! I don't even want. After, after the, they say around the campfire, sources say after Putin's first missile launches into Ukraine, he called he called Iran. He Who, called the, Putin did. Uh huh. He called the. Is it a prime minister in Iran? President. He's a president. Um. Of course, that's who you call when you bomb a neighboring country. You call Iran. And I'm just really thankful that Trump isn't in office. Oh, I mean, if this does not open up people's eyes to recognizing Mm -hmm. how, what a catastrophic situation the United States may have been in at this very Mm -hmm. second. Oh, people are still defending, people are still defending Putin. Like, they're still, Americans are Sorry, minimization. They're minimizing what he's doing currently. Under what defense? You know, it's all okay because, I don't know, he wants to do it. So we go back and we take a look at what Hitler did, what Napoleon did. The history between Ukraine and Russia people are using as as justification. Yeah, because colonialism. Right. Oh, I loved this. I freaking, okay, wait, I got it. Where's my phone? I have to read this. But really quickly, Nicole, why mm-hmm. do you think that people are not, uh, people are so shocked by the white on whiteness? You had mentioned that earlier, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on why, why you think people are so, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Devastated it by shouldn't it. be, well, I don't, I'm not saying people are devastated. I'm saying, well, yes, people are devastated in the sense that I think they care more. They may, might not recognize that they care more, but they care more because it's happening to white people, right? Because Ukrainians are fair-skinned, blue-eyed, generally. Um, that triggers a different response. Because, oh, these people are like me. It, yeah. Or, oh, it's, now it's unjust. If it were people in X, Y, Z countries. Now it's unjust. Oh, they, they had it coming. Ugh, look at them. You no, can no, attach the, all oh, sorts of things. Oh, it's the same as it's always been. There's always African tribes are always fighting one another because what that actually is communicating is they are inherently violent. Yes. Um, Muslim people are inherently violent. Mm -hmm. They want to kill each other. They don't have the same values or morals or moral compass as white people. That is actually the they're thinking when you follow it down the line. They know people don't admit that and they don't even know that they think that. Mm-hmm. But that's what they think. But I will tell you, having been part of evangelical white male circles as a yeah. evangelical non-white male, right. um, non-white, non-male, yeah. uh, sorry, <laughs> non-white, non-male, I've never been male, and uh, that a lot of these conversations are absolutely 
like bathed in the language of, well, without Christ, without uh-huh, Christ. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. There's, of course, they would be doing this because they are being led by whatever evil spirits that's that right. are connected to whatever it's, deities right. they're worshiping. That's right. So, of course, of course they've happening. got demonic influences doing right. that. Absolutely. And so Putin has the demonic influence of what? Like white male power, and, possibly, and I don't mental know what illness. I mean, I actually illness. think he's like or a megalomaniac. megalomaniac. I think he's megalomaniac. actually, I don't think he's well. Um, he's not even making, none of the decisions he's making obviously are good and they're all evil. Yeah, but he's actually making decisions that seem completely unhinged. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't think he's in his right mind in addition, but yeah. Um, it's interesting to think about, yeah, I think just historically, you, when you look at it like World War One. hey, guess what? World War One was a bunch of white people against a bunch of white people. Who invaded a World country. World War II, hey, guess what? World War II was against a bunch of white people against a bunch of white people. Who invaded and a country. Japan. Um, so historically, the people who've caused a lot of damage across the world and contributed to lots of millions of people dying yeah. um, were actually world wars that were led by white people white men right so there's that so we really shouldn't be surprised no it shouldn't be but it does just it tugs at the heartstrings differently you know and the one white male who i will absolutely give praise to is the uh, Zelensky, uh the president of ukraine who i feel like has exhibited such Immense leadership. It's he been said really, it's to, tremendously inspiring. To he's, his he's cabinet or parliament, he said upon his election, don't put pictures of me yeah. up. He, he said, leaders should not be icons or idols. He mm-hmm. said, put pictures of your family Families up yep. because they're the reason you're making the yep. decisions I love that you're so making. Much. I love that. But I saw this also because look, this man is extremely crushable for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> But crushable, crushable, yeah, crushable. Like you can have a crush on him. Oh my gosh! I have a a political crush on him. Okay, I, I, I envy. I would love more leaders to be like him. Um, but this happened. This was a tweet. Somebody's a white male says, "I'm racking my brain for historical parallel to the courage and fighting spirit of the Ukrainians and coming up (sighs) empty." How many peoples have ever stood their ground against an aggressor like this? It's legendary. It's legendary. And this woman, Dr. Rose Stremlau, God says this. Dr. Rose Stremlau. Yes. And she, I don't, I can't tell what her it's identity is, but she's female. And she, well, she presents as female. She says, the Lakota and Cheyenne, the Seminole, the Pueblo, the Chiricahua, I'm sorry if I mispronounce any of these, the Confederacy under Tecumseh. The Chickamauga Cherokees, the Red Stick Muscogees, the Pico, the Wampanoag. I'm running out of characters because she's on Twitter, but here's me gesturing broadly to North America. Yep. Damn. Damn. That's That's coming against whiteness. That's coming against whiteness. This man is racking his brain and he can't think of throughout history any people group who've stood up to tyranny the way that Ukraine has. It is so because the Native Americans, and I'm using this word as as understanding that it is vile, right. were considered savages. That's right. So that and and this is yeah. Oh, they the weren't point. a people standing up against anything. They were a group of lesser beings slash savages who needed who needed to be dominated mm-hmm. in order to control in order to control them, and they had to. 
they needed to succumb, submit to whiteness in order yeah. to be saved. Correct. And if you ever want to look at where power dynamics have to be checked, the number one question I think we all should be asking is where's the dehumanization? Right. When it comes to spaces of whiteness, who is being dehumanized in this situation? Mm -hmm. It's easy to see. Mm -hmm. Here we have Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Who is being dehumanized? Oftentimes it's women. Mm -hmm. In evangelical or a lot of religious circles, not just evangelical circles, but it's often both. Yeah. Or it's people who are not of the presented faith. Right. Or who, not even people of... I say the presented faith because it's not necessarily the faith. It's the faith as they want it rendered. Okay. Yeah. So it's the whatever ideologies you uphold and whatever uh, interpretations or exegesis you have, if we don't align with that, right. we are therefore off. Right. And any ill that would come to us, we deserve, mm -hmm. even if it is unjust. Mm -hmm because of our misalignment, whatever they think right. is it's, correct. Is worthy. And that's all dehumanizing. Right. All of it is. Yep. And I think that's where you always have to look is in what sense, or even in interpersonal relationships. If there, if you're looking at two, two people, let's say, and there is a skirmish going on between them, look at where the, de if there's any dehumanization that is coming up and that's where you can discern. Yeah, that's good. Where the abuse actually that's is. That's really good. And where the power structure also yeah, is. Yeah, that's really good. It's not always easy, but I think that it's one step to getting to that point of discernment. That's really good. I feel like that's really helpful. I hope it's helpful because, dang, it I is. I mean, yeah, you know, history for people of color groups, history is wrought with stories of dehumanization because that's, I think, for the person in power, you you have to be able to do that in order to execute so much evil for so long. Yeah. Um, you have to present people as non-human. Yes. And if you want to get an exact example of how to start humanizing, go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go back and look at how Jesus interacts with women, how he interacts with people who are non uh, <laughs> who are somebody? Jonathan just walked into the. Uh, Jonathan just scared us, and he scared us. Look at how Jesus interacts with people who are not of the faith, mm -hmm. who are not of the the dominant culture. He humanizes them. He reveres them. He sometimes rebukes those people who are the highest of the faith and who yeah. should be. They're at the top of the top. They have yeah. the most power. Yeah. And he rebukes them and says, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you treat the littlest of these as this? That's specific. Yeah, he definitely children. calls out. I mean, I could be, my take on this story could be a little wrong, but, and I don't know the, which book it's in because I'm really not good at that. But Jonathan's here and I'm sure he could tell me. When the woman who comes pleading in the street to Jesus and he calls and he says she's a dog. Remember that story? He doesn't say she's a dog, but he uses he, a metaphor. He, yeah, he doesn't call her a dog, but he says, you're like a dog, right? you know, asking for scraps. Because she she's says, a Gentile. and Because she, she was a Gentile. And it's very interesting to me when I think about that story because even in that instance, Jesus was actually calling out the system that had labeled this woman that 
in such a way that he shouldn't have had any interaction with her. Yeah. That because of his his Jewishness, he shouldn't um, receive her request. Mm-hmm. And he actually, even by just saying it, when we, you know, I'm thinking about what we've touched on where people are like, well, why do we have to talk about this? And why do we have to bring up race? And why do we have to mention this and that? I mean, Jesus was mentioning, he was talking, he was relating this thing like you should be this. Culture says this, society says this, that I shouldn't even interact with you. Mm-hmm. And then she continues to plead. And he, you know, he says, it's not my time yet. But then he does actually acquiesce and he he grants her request. He prays for because her. Because he, he is actually impressed by her faith. Right. Because she says, well, even dogs take the scraps. Right. And she's owners. like, I'll take scraps from you. And I just, I think even in that, like, we can't understand the full cultural implications of that. Um because I, I'm not a Jewish man living in the, you know, first century. But um, I love, I think that it points to him calling out the systems that existed and still even naming the thing yep. and then still responding with love. Mm-hmm. That's when we talk about when people are like, well, why do we have to talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion and why is this so – why can't we just put race aside? Um no, we cannot. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. He talked about the Samaritan. The Samaritan that was a woman. That's very culture. important. He culturally. talks about gender. He he. The women were the first to the the cross. The first to the tomb. They yep. were the first evan- evangelists. Right. They women were absolutely uh, made like they were centralized as part of yes. his gospel. One hundred percent. They were they were humanized. critical to his ministry. Yes. And they were humanized. And they were he mm-hmm. treated them equally equitably, right. I right. will equitably. say. Equitably. Yeah. Which is even better than equality. Right. And and when it goes into all of the different spaces, Jesus absolutely called out race. He absolutely called out gender. He absolutely called out the religious uh power hungry yes. monsters. And what else? He called out uh, structures of wealth. Yep. He called out religiosity, which I guess is kind of part and parcel of what you're saying, political powers and systems. And none of that was just ignored for this greater purpose. Like, oh, well, we're not going to talk about those things because we're just going to talk about love and being together. You you fundamentally can't get from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you have to discuss the thing that's in front of you yeah. because that's the that's the path to healing that's the path to connection mm-hmm. i mean what how much more powerful was it that he spoke to the woman the samaritan woman um at the well and had that connection with her and 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 talked with her about living water because of who she was because she was a samaritan woman who was adult an adulteress he wasn't even supposed to look at her and yet he offered himself yep that is more powerful because he identified who she was. It wasn't as if he were just speaking with another Jewish woman at a place. It was because he crossed the cultural barrier yep. to make a connection. Yes. Yeah. And what's so beautiful, him as a, I mean, if you're looking at dominant maleness in that culture, I think Jesus kind yeah. of represented that. Absolutely. He let down that power yes. in order to engage with her. Mm-hmm. And it broke a lot of cultural right. rules. And his disciples were like, what are you what doing? What are you doing? Exactly. And he's like, look, you, you don't understand what I'm doing. But that's, I think, yeah, why that's this, a really good point. Why nationalism strikes me as being so sinister. Because if Jesus actually 
wanted to equate a cross with an American or any other nation's flag, mm -hmm. then he would have come in as a Roman general. <laughs> yeah, something. He would have come in like, hey, here's the kingdom. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Right, with a sword. Yeah, well, with a sword, whatever. And that's how he would have come and to a Trump, And a Trump earth. flag. And that is not what happened. And an F Biden flag. This, and people were pissed. I would have waved those. People yeah. who were waiting for the Messiah were pissed. Yeah, they were like that for, Jesus. No, they were like, surely this is not the guy. Yeah, this cannot be the way we maintain power. Yeah, or get it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess in that case, get it because they were Roman occupied Jews. And but yes, this is not how we get power anybody. and keep power. It has to be through. It can't be spiritual. It's the reprioritization of what power actually is. Yeah, and when you took the Sermon on the Mount. Power is actually in the meek. Yeah, that's really good. And people with the most power actually have the ability to lay their power down. So good. Yes, that's so And I good. think that's what's wrong with Putin. He does not know how to lay down his power. Same thing with Trump. Trump is so power hungry that he will do anything to, to keep his power. Keep, oh, and to for keep sure. it. That's what the tweeting. I mean, was these all are about. people who are grossly. They're also unhinged. Yes. They're unhinged. But they also happen to be leaders of the world. Right. Grossly lacking any kind of humility. And I mean, that's a whole. They're just, it's not even. But they are being touted as. Yeah, that's right. And, and they're they going to go down I mean, in history. They are leaders. And that's. And here we are. Yes, and I'm so thankful. Praise that he Jesus, is he's not, not in office. And he better not I come in in 2024. Imagine, people, I, even, I don't want to talk about it. Renee, don't talk about it. Don't people. Talk about it. Don't talk about it. Consider the children. Consider the children. Consider the next generation. Remember when I'm Whitney Houston and all those people got up and they sang that big. What we was are that? the world. We are the world. Yep. That was for Ethiopia. We are the children. I know that's what just came to my mind. Yeah, that was. Um, I remember doing that. We held hands in the. I living remember room. too at my school. So um, we kind of we talked a little bit about minus. We talked a little bit about colorism, and we probably don't have to talk much more. But do you have any like? Do you have any personal stories around colorism? Has it affected your life at all? I know you're laughing because I'm yeah. asking that question with a straight face when I already yeah. know the answer. I but. think we talked about this in episode numero uno. Yeah. When refresh it, refresh our listeners. Where. Not always, and All this has happened you. with everybody in the Indian culture, but I think people who are from India mm -hmm. tend to be pretty dismissive, mm -hmm. tend, not all, yeah. lots, I've interacted with lots of people yes. from India and who are Indian, but um, some of them tend to, and it is jokingly said, yeah. but there is a, this dismissive that I'm not really Indian yeah. because I am not from India or I'm only half, right. and so there's like a, a term called, you know, Gori, mm -hmm. which is whiteness. I'm right. called the Gori cousin, right. which is the white cousin. And, you know, my skin is pretty brown. And, but that's that kind of thing where it's dismissive of any sort of Indianness that I might have right. in favor of the of whiteness, whiteness, which again is upholding whiteness. Right. It is. Ultimately, I know. But it's as a degradation, right. a degradation to yeah. me and not necessarily right. as an amplification. Right. It's so interesting. It's othering me. Right. It's othering you. So, yeah, that's happened. And, is there colorism? Well, you mentioned that like Netflix show, but is there colorism within the Indian culture? Like, is lighter skin? Yes, it's still one hundred percent more desirable. So, like, Arun, not no, I got the right uh, Ashwarya Rai, who I think is so beautiful. Even Priyanka Chopra, mm -hmm. um, Jonas, yeah, Jonas, I, yeah, yeah. She she has been um, criticized for. Uh, promoting skin whitening creams. She's done commercials for that. Oh, I didn't know that. So in lots of lots of Asian oh, countries, skin wow. whitening creams are yes, really I know that's a, like a thing. Um, popular. Mm -hmm. And and even in um, 
other Asian countries uh, like well, I Jap- want to say in Japan, China, white, Japan, very, and very, very Korea, light skin yes. is, is desirable. And and even with um, they have eye surgery sometimes mm-hmm. to make their eyes more round to make them more Western. Correct. Right. And as a promotion of right Western culture standards like, of beauty. Well, yeah, Western standards of beauty. That right. And who contrived those? I don't know. Somebody did. And look where the power is. Look where the dehumanization is. And that's where you can tell where it all started. But absolutely, that's where colorism can be. And so in a lot of these cultures, you stay out of the sun. Mm -hmm. You use these skin whitening creams. You uh, That is where I was um, lauded is the fact. Lauded is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because my skin is lighter than maybe my than my right. dad's. Right. So that was good. Right. It's my that my prettier. whiteness right. was able to... Then it's like a benefit. It was a benefit. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. So then in, in the black community, obviously, when we've talked about, you know, I'm generally white presenting and um, I know even as we were talking about whiteness lets you move through the world with ease, I can move through the world with ease. I have privilege because of my skin tone. Um, you know, now growing up, I did not really present white at all because I was always outside and always in the sun and I was much, much darker than I am just as an adult because I don't just kick it outside all the time now because wrinkles. Um, and so growing up in my classrooms and having, you know, different interactions, I definitely didn't quote unquote pass. I mean, I clearly was not a white kid. So, um, but it's definitely, it's very nuanced even in the black community because light skin is praised and it's still considered more beautiful overall, I would say. Um, so is quote unquote good hair. What does that mean? Like the, the kinkier coils you have, that's less good hair, right? So literally the more your hair is like white hair, that's considered good hair. Now, like I was talking about earlier, that has shifted. Like the natural hair movement is a real thing and it has really impacted people and I'm, I'm very happy for it. Um, but you know, that's where you get like women relaxing their hair, straightening their hair, black women spending a lot of time at the hair salon. Mm -hmm. Like my, my grandma and my stepmom would go every week. You go get your hair pressed and set. Yes. Because you got to keep that is, you got to keep it straight. Yeah. Professional. Professional. Dignified. Tight. These are all air quotes, by the way. Right. So yeah, because it's more professional to have your hair like that than if you had your natural, if you wore your natural hair to work. And so that's this built-in, right, built-in storyline, the narrative that hair that's closer to white hair, it's still, still not white hair, mm-hmm. is preferred. Yeah. Is prettier, is better, more professional. Um, but then at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think for me, I've experienced where I've been told, obviously I'm not black enough, but by by black women that I'm – not black enough, and so that I don't have the right to date black men, which is a whole another conversation, but that I'm stealing black men if if and when I dated black men, um, you know, because then my blackness doesn't count 
because then it's only my whiteness because I'm, I'm taking a black man away. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And why does that happen? Um, well, I think even when I touched on, I think there's still a lot, I think there's a lot of trauma built into that response. I think that when you, um, I don't know. I think there's a, I think there, there's a longer answer that I won't, I won't get into, but I think there's a lot of trauma in that. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. I think that of course, colorism plays into that. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I can't, we can't speak for the entire black community, of course, but when black men end up with white women, are white women vilified in the same way as... Oh, absolutely. All right. It's yeah. the same. It's the same. You're taking, you're taking black men from us. Um, and I think, yeah. Which I get the I get No, I, I get it. And that, that's, there's a whole other long answer in my mind, I but I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But I, you can. I, I'm not saying it's un founded in the sense of I understand where those feelings come from I'll but just it's say again that. not fair not fair but I I get it yeah <laughs> I mean yeah fairness and but understanding it are different things absolutely um but yeah it's interesting to think about um I I uh had told Jonathan this and a couple weeks ago I had my therapy session with my therapist her name's Kimberly I've I've shouted her out on here before and um she had gone to she she's white. She'd been invited to give a presentation, talk somewhere, something and they were talking about it was a group of therapists talking about when you have um clients who are multi ethnic, multiracial, or biracial. And she uh, she was sharing with me, she's like, I hope this is okay for me to share this with you. She's always cautious when she, you know, kind of steps outside of our normal interaction, but She's like, I just have realized in working with you for the last, I mean, I've been working with her for two years now, that um, she's like, I realized how much all therapists need to learn more about how to best serve their clients who are biracial and multi-ethnic. Yeah. Um, she's like, you've opened my eyes to the nuances that are involved around this topic and I mean, she was just really, it was really cool to just hear her say like, she's like, I didn't understand the complexity and I couldn't have before working with you. Yeah. She's like, as someone who doesn't present as black, but who very much holds black identity and has had that experience through growing up, you know, she's like, that really has challenged some of my thinking in a good way. Yeah. And um, that's, I love that because that is ultimately like what for so many of us we want to be able to get to when around these conversations is to be able to step back and look at someone else's experience and find a way to listen mm -hmm. not you don't even have to always relate we're not going to always all relate to each other that's okay too but to be open to what other people's experiences have been yeah and i wonder you might know the answer to this are you her first biracial client no i'm definitely not um i'm not her first and but um, I think because she and I started meeting at a, oh, such a yeah. critical time at 2020, at the start of 2020, mm -hmm. um, and because I have the complication of like, you know, having one black parent, one white parent, one white parent who's a police officer, um, you know, a black brothers, all of these different things that made kind of my situation unique, um, we got into some really you know, we got to places she definitely hadn't gotten to with yeah. other people before. And um, it was good. 
for I'm that. Glad. Yeah. I'm glad for that because there is a lot of embedded trauma that comes out of multi-ethnic or multiracial people that they're experiencing now for the first time ever right. because of the legality exactly. of biracial marriage exactly. and people coming into the world and presenting in a world that doesn't know what to do mm -hmm. with a lot of people who have multifaceted identities. Mm -hmm. So it's important. And I also, uh, did you want to share anything more about that? No. I think there was one point that I do want to make to all of this regarding what we talked about with Seinfeld and even Jordan Peterson. There's another book that I have begun to read, and it's uh, by John McWhorter. He's a professor out of Columbia. He, I don't know what his whole ethnic makeup is, but I know that he is black presenting-ish. He's a mm -hmm. light-skinned black person. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote a book called Woke Racism. And it essentially opens up talking about how there were people ac across different media channels who had faux pas, especially when dealing with the issue of race and who lost their jobs because of yeah. it. And so it created this whole idea of cancel culture. Right. And so in that point, I I recognize, and I actually agree with McMurder. Right. I don't know that I'm going to agree uh, with the rest, agree of, his with the rest of his book. I haven't uh -huh. gotten there yet. Give me yeah. some time. But my point here is that I do think that this country has come to a critical stance where people are now freezing mm -hmm. in their advocacy. Right. And in wanting to move forward with diversity, equity, and inclusion because of cancel culture. Yes, absolutely. The fear that if I say anything and mm -hmm. any of it is wrong or right. I misspeak or I accidentally say something yeah. that I learned back in the 80s, uh -huh. then I'm going to lose my <laughs> job. Well, it's true because a lot of people are. Or they refer to If I put on frosted pink lipstick and I make a racial faux pas, I'm yeah. out. If I crimp my hair, what do I do? <laughs> like whatever they do, they might lose everything. And right. it actually is true. And yeah. I want to come again against cancel culture. 100%. It is, I think it's so harmful to not be able to, I mean, even when I'm like talking about stuff, I get nervous. I don't know all the things. I'm not going to sit here and pretend just because I have a black parent and a white parent that I'm some expert, let's just say on this the topic of being biracial. I'm not. I know I've misspoken. I know that there are things that I have yet to encounter, read about, learn about. Yeah. And but that my – I still want my love for people yeah. and my desire for wholeness to be what actually guides me and propels me to speak about these things. I, it would be really easy to be like, I'm just – I'm going to shut up yeah. because I'm, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Guess what? I'm going to say the wrong thing. I yeah. have already done that. Um, there's someone I follow on Instagram. She's a – she is an activist. She's a black woman. She's a – Christian and she um posted something about the um trial for the murder of uh Ahmaud Arbery and she called it the trial for Ahmaud Arbery not for the murder of right? or Ahmaud Arbery trial trial right yeah. as if he were the person on sure. trial and you know people came at her like what and then this is a woman who is an activist on race issues and is a black. So it happens. And mm -hmm. she immediately, she saw it, she recognized it, she corrected it. And then she said, like, listen, I'm not, I, I messed up. Mm -hmm. Language is important. I used the wrong wording. This is what I should have said. And she claimed it and she owned it. And, you know, people on her page were super gracious. But that to me is an example. Like, none of us are going to get it right all mm -hmm. the time. 
Um, but it can't stop us from speaking where we personally feel led to speak. That's not mm-hmm. the same for all of us. Okay. We're not, we don't all have the same convictions mm-hmm. and to the same level, but we can't be scared. Yeah. And I think this is the difference between dehumanizing somebody and canceling yeah. them right. and holding them to account. Yeah, absolutely. And this woman was held to account. She probably just blasted it off. And look, I'm centering Ahmad Arbery in all of this. Yeah. And that's probably what I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, that that's probably what she was saying. I don't know his murderer's names. Yeah. I want to think, I don't even know what their names are. And I know his name though. And his name is what matters. And I'm sure she was trying to center absolutely. him. Absolutely. And she, it came out wrong. Absolutely. And imagine, I mean... So many people, and maybe even if they were white, would have been blasted for that yes. and canceled and lost their Absolutely. platforms and lost their jobs, and then they would have been shamed yep. into oblivion you know, and yeah, into never oblivion. heard from again. And it would have been so awful, and then it it's would have created loss. it's such a loss. Right. And so I do want to say that regarding this topic. Um, and we I think, cancel cancel culture. Yeah, because it's not okay. It is okay to come against the concept of whiteness. But to use the power upheld in whiteness to to cancel so, and vilify right. white people right is not okay. It's that's not okay, yeah. and it's you're actually perpetuating the very same cycle. That's right. That's very true. That's well said and good point. And it's uh, do you gentlemen have anything you want to add? Uh, humanize, humanize. We have both Evan and Jonathan in the room now. Yeah. <gasps> That's He's right. Jewish. Thank you for, in fact, Zelensky, Evan just said, I don't know if you could hear him, that I mentioned him being white. Um, because he's white presenting, but he's actually Jewish. So I totally, thank you for not canceling me, but holding me accountable. That's good. And, uh, well, and yes. And what's so beautiful is that Zelensky's grandfather is a survivor of the Holocaust. And he had three other brothers who died in the Holocaust. And wow. he was the only man. He was the only one of the siblings who survived. And now look oh at his my grandson. Gosh, that is it's so amazing. amazing. I did yes, not know so that. Thank you. I for did not know I needed to know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. We are. I don't know what will be happening in the Ukraine when this is aired, but we're praying for. Ukraine and the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia who are standing up yeah. against and the people in Afghanistan tyranny and the people in Afghanistan and people all over the world who are have long been in conflicts um, like what's happening in Ukraine and we don't want to forget any of that either and that um, there is I want there to be solidarity and prayer for all of those people mm-hmm. groups and don't stop going to Russian restaurants in the United States. Don't be mad at the Russian... The people listening the Russian to this grandma. podcast are not the people that are... It's true. It's true. But tell, tell your delis. neighbors who aren't going to the Russian deli down the street right. to go because those and are be really, kind. really good pastries. I will say, I think one of the things that's interesting, just talking about colorism, and I'm, I stepped in a little bit late, but just how much you know, white people do that too. Just you know, It's racism, obviously, coming from anyone that is coming from a white perspective, but I think um, so much of how they view race is through the lens still of colorism and mm-hmm. race Absolutely. on the spectrum. And um, yeah, it, it, so it's just important to consider it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know how much of Jonathan everyone could hear, but mm-hmm. white people, he's expressing that white people are guilty of colorism. We didn't actually even talk about that. We were talking about colorism within people of color groups, but um, we did say that it's traced to whiteness being 
upheld as the beauty better. standard or yeah. better mm-hmm. or superior. And so it absolutely aligns that, yes, white people still enact colorism. I mean, I know friends who Which have... Why white people will say, you, oh, but you do this. And like a white person. It, like a white person. Right. Or when people say to me, oh, but you don't look black, like it's a positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, all you have to do is look at slavery and, you know, what types of people were in the homes, what types of, you know, those who were enslaved. Yeah, uh, enslaved people who worked in the homes were lighter skinned. So, like, I would have been a, what was called a fancy, and I would have been a house slave, right, because I'm lighter skinned. Um, versus you would, you know, pe- black, darker skinned people would be working fields or other, you know, horrific jobs. Um, but even still, like I know friends who have, um, you know, three or four children who are uh, black uh, from a black family and they'll, they're, you know, it, it happens in any family of color. Like you have different skin tones within your children and your family like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I'm saying that. Like, people know that, right? <laughs> I hope people just know that. But one person I know, so one of her children is, one of her daughters is quite a bit lighter skinned than her other daughter. And she's talked about how just strangers on the street, white people, black people, doesn't matter, will automatically gravitate towards her lighter skinned daughter and give her all the initial compliments. By the way, they're all very beautiful children, but it's the lighter skinned girl Oh, you're so, she's so beautiful. Look at her, her skin color. I mean, people that while her other daughter's sitting there listening to that, and they've had to have ongoing conversations about that. I mean, that's there's a trauma in that that I don't think people realize. People don't realize that they're doing that, mm-hmm. and then for a child to be inundated with that and and, and actually internalizing. internalizing that over the course of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, I have friends who are so black is beautiful, pro-blackness and have their daughters come to them and say, my, I don't like my hair. I want blonde straight hair. Mm -hmm. And they're around other black girls who are beautiful and they're wearing their hair naturally and their mother wears their hair naturally. And yet still they're internalizing that message, that white straight hair is the best. Yep. And so we didn't get into all of that, but that's the stuff. Like they're watching television shows, they're seeing books, they're seeing billboards. We have talked about yeah, this, we mentioned though, some of this in episode. episode that they're 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 that is the message that's being sent to them. And it was body image. And call and colorism still I mean it it comes from all sides. Yes. Is part of the problem as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and for a long time it was the blonde, even look at Barbie dolls, the evolution of Barbie dolls. Yeah. That it was the blonde Barbie doll and then, oh, we'll get a brunette one in there. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, and then it took even more decades to get Barbie dolls of color. And now there's Barbie dolls of color and Barbie dolls with more natural body shapes with like curves and hips and bigger breasts and butts and I love it. And there's Barbies with afros and box braids and... That, like, it, you know, it took how long? I mean, how old are we? And uh, I think Barbie uh, was born in the 50s. Yeah, here we are. Or 30s, 50s? Some I think some many 40s decades. or 50s. 40s. 40s. Yeah. I can't remember. And it's 2020. World Trade. World Fair. Yeah. World's Fair. That's where yeah. she was introduced. Um, 
I like it. I like what we talked about. I, I think it was else. important. I don't know that we, we want to say anything else. I'm sure there's a lot more we could have said, but um, we started off real jokey, but we didn't. We didn't stay jokey. Yeah, we're very. Um, we, we centered. We got it together. We're very. We sounded so. You sounded so especially extra intelligent tonight. I did mean, you're we? All, you did. You always do, but tonight you were like. It's because you got your doctorate. Well, I also had a lot of notes that were copied from the internet. That helps too. But so you, I had my sources. You did a great job. You did an excellent Thank job. You. I likewise thought you did. Thank you, you had a lot of really cogent points. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Bati Klug. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Ms. Cottrell. Mrs. Mrs. My I was like, Mrs. Is better than Ms. Well, I mean, I am a Mrs. But Ms. can go either That's way. That's true. I never was a Mrs. Mrs. does feel very, makes me instantly feel like I'm 75. So maybe you skip that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I never liked Mrs. I liked uh, Ms. I like Ms. Ms. I used that when I was single and when I was married. It was Ms. It's That's true. What I, I, I do that too. It felt a little bit more empowering. But now I get to scratch all that. Yep. For Dr. Mm-hmm. Doctor. Ms. Doctor. Ms. Doctor. That's right. That's right. And I am the first Bahati. Bati. 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 It's Bati is the correct pronunciation, but we've uh, Americanized it because that's what you do. That's what you do when you're... And I like the word hottie. I, I appreciate that being part hottie of my Hottie Bati. So one, one of my closest friends in college who, who is male, he's still alive, but when he would introduce me to people, he called me Bahati. That's what he always did. And people always thought he was introducing me as his hottie. Oh, And they were like, great. ugh. This is my like, hottie. <laughs> Hello, I'd like to introduce you to my hottie. She's ready to party. No, no. he was a platonic (laughs) friend, but yeah, it was hilarious. That's good. It was hilarious. Oh, I like it. All right, so we're praying for Ukraine, and um, we're glad to be back recording again, and... We hope to be a little bit more consistent. We had some stuff. Congratulations on your new house. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love the drive as well. I'm going to start... Renee and I live closer to each other now, so we plan on seeing each other exponentially more. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she texted me from Ikea, which is right down the street from my house. I couldn't go that night for different well, reasons, we just, but I wanted plans. to. We've in got, my heart, we've I We've got went. plans. We're going to eat together more. We're going to laugh together more. We're going to cry together more. Oh, and she texted me, do you want to come to the ninth level of hell? And I couldn't, I didn't understand it. And I was like, what? And she's like, Ikea. I was like, oh, good one, good one. I missed that one. <laughs> that was just for you. I happen to like Ikea, but I know you don't. Oh, it's just so difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult. I am difficult. Okay, um, peace in Ukraine. And the Middle East. Everywhere, all the time. In our hearts. For one another. Yes. And on social media. And on social media. Good night and good luck. Amen. So, here's what we would love for you to do. Rate. Review. Subscribe. And tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. (laughs) So lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, it actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better... Let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.